Cool. All right. Uh, we, we've, we've really got the claps down. It's, it's my favorite part of the show. I don't uh, like that we're back to the claps. I miss the, uh, the beer can clinks. Well, the next time that we'll be probably together might, might be Katowice. So that's... Won't ugh. be Katowice. Oh. Yeah, it won't be. Maybe it'll be Pro League. Oh. Well, maybe, maybe Pro League. Maybe, maybe Pro League. We started on a potential good note there, and now we're back down. I know, right back in the, the dumps. Pits. That's that's my. Uh, no, that's okay. It's a Tuesday. It's a we- <laughs> It's a Wednesday. Is it's it Tuesday? Tuesday? Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. Bro, I've lost track of days. Uh, it's something cruel out here, man. The nice, nice life when, half the time. It's, when you're it's hard when work. you don't have any. Yeah, when you don't have any playoff broadcast to really let you know when the weekend comes in, everything yeah. kind of gets jumbled up. And I've been doing the like three slash four a.m. going to beds because I'm staying up late grinding Anubis with like Harry and Hugo. Scrawny joined us last night. We were playing with Dinko and Hawk has been in there. Yumi, a bunch of the they all just fucking coming around. We've been playing a lot of Anubis. Been Chad, get me back. Hours. Get me get me back in the uh, in the little pug system over this winter break. I need I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna play some. I gotta get into I gotta get I gotta learn Anubis. Yeah, I think well that's that's why we've been putting so much time into it, right? Because it's like yep. new map in the pool. Obviously, for I guess like Harry Hugo myself and stuff, like we won't be casting that until next year. But I guess for like Connor and Launders and 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 you and it, and Anders, it's gonna be really important, right? Yeah, well, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, I didn't even really think about that. I have to be casting it in two weeks, so. Maybe yeah, I should play You're some. You're gonna have uh, to be giving expert analysis, Jason, on it. But that be is, easy. Like, the what, thing is, what like, do you think these these teams are missing out on that they could be doing? I was I was looking forward to uh, learning at least like a little bit of the layout during the show match, and then they were like, you know, no clipping with shotguns and yeah. like no gravity jumping, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna try. I'm not I even gonna try. This is the thing when a new map comes out, right? It's like the I think we spoke a little bit about this last time around. But like once once you establish like the timings, like the names of things is really important, right? As if you're doing this from a team perspective, obviously for a casting analysis perspective, it's a little bit different. But from a team perspective, I remember like the first thing when approaching a map was, hey, let's all first of all get on the same page with naming all the spots. Right, so we have at least common communication. And then once we have a, a common vocabulary of how we talk about the map. Then let's work out the timings. Okay, who gets here here first, and then can that be easily negated with a smoke or something like that? And then you just keep adding all those different layers on top, right? Of how, what's a good angle to hold, and what's a good crossfire, and what's, and that's that's where it starts to get really deep. And that's the cool thing, right? I, I guess we're saying, yeah, you're going to need to talk about the map at a high level, but you also get to take the stance of this is the newest map to the pool, and now we get to see the pros on it for the first time in a tier one event, and this is a learning experience, and that is even cooler, I think, like because then your analysis doesn't have to be on the desk segment so much about like, oh, you know, they did this good or they did this poorly. It's like, they did this and this is what like, and this, the other team didn't know how to react or, you know, and because we don't know, we're all, we get to learn and you get to look at things from a different perspective, which is, which is kind of fun. That's why I liked it when, when all these new maps come in to see what the, what the pros do with the tools that are available to them. But um, we skipped the intro I wanted to start with, gents. Can we come back to Anubis? Yeah, yeah. Go, go okay. Intro. So I have uh, I have a little notebook in front of me here to take timestamps. And when I wrote down Talk Encounter episode 20 podcast slash timestamps, it got me thinking back to the the whole core concept and philosophy of this bad boy that we do right here, which is just the three of us having a conversation. And then I'm thinking timestamps breaks it up into very like formulaic or, or topicy. So I just had to remind myself and I want to remind the viewer and the two of you that for me, this is like a chat and I don't want to break. I, I'm happy to write down when we start talking about things in a little bit more detail, 
but I would like it if you are a fan of the show, right? That this is something that you you don't have to listen to it in in completion in in one set or at all if you don't want. But it, it's probably to be consumed as three guys talking about Counter Strike, not three guys bringing up different topics at certain points and all giving their opinion and then moving on to the next, like we're doing a fucking debate in university or something. Like, um, so I don't know. I just, that was the, like my morning's ex- existential crisis about timestamps. <laughs> no, uh, I, so I hope you all understand. That. I think you're fine. Uh, I, I started the timestamp thing uh, initially because it's just like, I also don't want it to be like, we have to, you know, go from topic to topic or if, you know, like, let's say we've, wrapped up on something but you remember that there's something else you want to say like we we should bring it up again right and you should be able to For talk sure, about yeah. it like it shouldn't be like oh we can't talk about this in this episode anymore i think it's just probably because there are some episodes let's say the post major episode or the post whatever there's some drama and we that's gonna be a topic in that episode for sure and that just sort of when we generally start talking about it to have it might be helpful for people who perhaps can't listen to the whole thing like the first time they, you know, or as soon as the episode is out. But yeah, absolutely to know that the talking point, like the timestamps are mostly there as sort of a rough uh, kind of timeline. Timestamps are, are defined by the conversation, not the conversation and defined by the timestamps. That's stamps. it, Jason. Boom. You've nailed it there, and the first time someone's stamp had is at plenty four, of coffee already. It's at four minutes, <laughs> and it's about it's about timestamps at four minutes. So that's the first timestamp that I have jotted down in my notebook. <laughs> that's that's so meta. That's, that's some uh, Inception fucking yeah. level thing in there. I just because the timestamp thing, like I see people going, yeah, it'd be nice to have timestamp, and I know it would be, but because I we're just chatting. Um, to like write it down on a keyboard, that's a little bit jarring, first of all, with the setup I have. And a notepad seems doable, but now I'm, I'm, just, holding, I'm just holding a notepad while I'm talking yeah, to two guys over Yeah, you're going to fall into the same trap I did, is where you're going to notice that we moved on to a new topic of conversation, and you don't know what time it started, so you're going to guess like, oh, 10 seconds back, we started talking about this. <laughs> Man, so now I don't, I don't, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let the timestamps get to me like that. It's I'm going to leave no, Hanko's do job, Chad. Don't I'm let go- the timestamps win. Timestamps will not control me. They will, but I also wanted to do a little bit of a, a temperature check because last time around, Yanko, there was a drill. Now and, we're playing uh, past the were, war, but the, there hasn't okay. been drilling like for a couple of days, I guess. But I don't really know how many days have passed. I don't know anything. I've never mishandled jet lag this badly. Oh, really? Like, okay. Like it's it's so actually insanely stupid. I'm what did you do? Hope. Well, I mean, I basically fucked up day one when, you know, well, here's the thing about the last episode. Uh, first, it was supposed to be done last Monday while I was still in the U.S., oh, here we go. but Jason forgot a cable um, for his microphone, so we couldn't really do that, even though I Felt went to, get to that Guitar chest. Shop or whatever the fuck its name is to buy a microphone because I didn't have one with me, but that's okay. So then we were going to do it once I was back home. Um, and I went to take a nap that day I was back, set an alarm and everything an hour before the podcast, woke up two and a half hours after we were scheduled to start the podcast, of course. And that was the mistake number one, falling asleep during the day for six hours, which is a big no-no if you're trying to, you know, not get screwed by jet lag. You can take a nap a little bit to get you through like 10, 11 PM before you pass out and don't wake up until the next morning. So it's been touch and go. Ever since. Yeah, but you know what? Even my usual plan where I just, one night I get 
you know, blackout drunk and that puts me to bed for eight hours, then I should be fine the next day. Even that didn't work. It's the holidays though already, right? It's already the holidays. It feels like Christmas, right? And, you know, if you sleep through an alarm, if you sleep through an alarm, your your body needed it, you know? That's true. Probably really needed it. Scary a little bit, but yeah. So I've decided that I obviously I can't keep living like this. So today is probably the last day I allow myself (laughs) to be jet lagged. I was gonna say that I thought I was expecting a darker turn there. I'm glad you. No, no, no. I'm just gonna like try the blackout drunk thing again, but with more um, conviction. More conviction. Yes, Chad. Okay. All right. Yeah. A bit more follow through. I've been saying that. You know, I won't half-ass it this time around, Jason. Don't worry. I've been saying oh, the man. same thing about this like nightmare sleeping pattern I've had, but the thing is, it's like I'm kind of justified doing it because I'm having fun and I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's work, you know. I'm learning, I'm learning about the map. Jason, are you jet lagged? You just got home. Uh, Have you yeah, been but, able I mean, to be jet lagged yet? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I passed out at like I think uh, I think I passed out at like eight thirty, eight o'clock on the couch last night and moved into the bed around like eleven and. Yeah. I mean, the nice thing is when you come back this direction, your jet lag occurs later in the day, right? It occurs in the in the fucking evening. You see the same mm-hmm. thing so, happened to me, Jason, except for when I did wake up from the couch and move to bed, I couldn't sleep for five hours. Oh, no. So, that's not ideal. So, yeah. I hate to see that. I, I'm going to travel back to Oz in a couple of weeks' time, so I'm going to be interested to see what it's like with a jet lag there because the only other times I've gone home to Australia in the last, well, I haven't been in, th- there'd be about three years, but when I went last time, I was only there for a week. And when I went before, it was like literally flying in and out because I was doing like an ASUS ROG thing. I went there for like three days, jumped out of a fucking plane, flew Sorry. away. Like it was, it was like a, so I haven't been home to Australia in a long time to even know what it feels like. I, I assume I'm going to get wrecked because it's that 24 hour plus amount of yeah, travel. Yeah, Australia and Asia are, are hard for jet lag. Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm, I'm, I'm only going for about two weeks, so she'll be right. And and you don't subscribe to the the blackout drunk strategy. No, I normally you're not just a, do you're the, not a follower of the. Uh, yeah, I just do the stay awake. Like if you land early, just stay try and stay awake. You know, yeah. and if if you land late, then don't eat and try and sleep. But uh, sometimes it works. Sometimes it's 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 a mystery. They they obviously say there's better ways. You know what would be a better way is if every single human got to fly in business class and we didn't have fucking economy anymore which is just an insane way to spend 12 to 14 to even fucking 18 hours on an airplane now that you can fly directly from london to perth um it's just fucking mental right why did we create that shithole of economy why why didn't we just start with business why aren't we treating people like we all want to be treated there should only be business and it should just you know be the same I think, price i think they actually did start that way i feel like i've seen like pictures of like the early passenger airplanes and everyone's got a ton of space everyone's Fuck. chilling you can smoke in the main cabin everyone's having a good time yeah that's definitely then, a good time smoking <laughs> in a small enclosed space it's an amazing time jason thank you very much uh, yeah you. you're welcome my mom uh, well, the problem yeah, is they is wanted to make I it am. more affordable chat like yeah, you can have only business yeah. class flights, but then you would never be able to fly, and you would have to take like a ship to Brazil for 18 days from Australia. Man, I don't know. There's some mega rich people out there, and even there, you, the be, you maybe couldn't afford first class. What if everything was just free? What if we just lived in this like okay, tranquil communist. society? I was gonna say, this is, we've had this conversation. Someone who before. has some ah. experience with it, not Man. the best idea. Not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> not all it's not all it's propped up to be. I'm more thinking about like well, the, the Jetson type I mean, Utopia in, it, boys. It's interesting, but like it's impossible. It's impossible because there's always going to be people who want to work more to get more, right? Like, 
And, oh and yeah, those no, will I'm, find I'm the trying way. to be in the future, Yanka. I'm trying to be like the Jetsons, where we have spacecrafts and we can fucking teleport and shit. Like, you know, I, I we need wow, to, we need to be. Uh, see, yeah, I actually the, get that reference, but yeah, I was surprised with myself. It's a good cartoon. It's a shit you know? cartoon. It's like probably the worst one you could find at the time on Cartoon Network. Yeah, I think that's because... It, Sorry for it, shitting on your childhood, but yeah. Well, I feel, think it's mega old. Gargoyles was a good cartoon. I don't remember Gargoyles. What? I remember um, Gargoyles? Swap Cats. Gargoyles was this a really was good cartoon. was insanely good. I love Gargoyles. came out in fucking 1962. Really? Yeah, wow. Was, uh, I didn't think it was it that was, old. It was after... I think, I'm think i assuming it was... It was uh, they looked at the success of the Flintstones. That was the other direction, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, so yeah let's that's see true. the Flintstones except out in the future. Did you guys get SWAT cats or street sharks? No, we didn't get any of those. Well, yeah. I think this was interesting, Chad, what you want to start talking about, though, like the utopia or whatever. Yeah. I do think, like, in in future, you know, like, down the line, you, you we would get rid of countries at some point, and we would just be like, hey, we're just all kind of in this shindig together. I think first it's going to be, you know, like... you have like, to fight aliens first? Like, you're going to have the eu in europe you're gonna have you know whatever us and canada merge we're gonna have south america we're gonna have continents kind of represent themselves probably a little bit and then it's gonna go on from there universal basic income for people who can't take care of themselves like you'd hope there would be so much value or wealth created through like innovations from people that there would be so much like excess wealth where you could provide those safety nets for people sort of and just not really worry about the impact it would have on i guess society or whatever how many years yanko 100 200 think about how far we've come in a hundred years couple of couple of centuries at least couple of centuries i want to say four or five hundred years maybe still maybe a little bit do we think that we're evolving as or or devolving as human beings i suppose it is evolving but like we're going to change a lot right our bodies are going to change. Well, I think that's, I think that's more like, happen. I think the change in body is like thousands of years. Like it takes ah. for that to really kind of catch up. Okay. Yeah, evolution in its own, right? But uh, that's like physically, I think mentally, you know, it's going to go much faster. I feel like, you know, the way of thinking is going to evolve and the way we look at things and like uh, the value system, priorities, like hopefully it's not going to be, you know, made up points on social media and likes and whatnot and people are going to focus a little bit more on stuff that actually matters it's kind of weird that social media is not a real place sorry jason what do you want to say about the utopia i was just wondering what the timestamp was going to say for this geopolitical utopian prediction so far i'll just reflect into the timestamps once more uh from the start of the show that would be classified as intro uh at four minutes uh we shifted talking about timestamps and then at seven minutes we uh, shifted talking about yanko's jet lag travel and utopias so uh that's what we're at right now cool doc timestamp when you look at you like oh this has a little bit of everything let's start here yeah, yeah. So, but see now, like the I, I'm keeping up with the timestamps, but I also feel like uh, what's what's the thing at the start of the book? Fuck. Uh, the, the prelude? Nah, you, it's more like you, you're looking for something. Um, the, the index. Oh, the index. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the index right now. But yeah, I guess I'm I'm the living index because everything's happening live as we speak. Anyway, should Sounds we get like into any? Morty episode. 
Should we get any into anything Counter Strike related here? Like, because a lot of stuffs happened. There's a lot to like. Obviously, the reason we ask if you jet like Jason just came back from Blast, just concluded yesterday uh, with Heroic yesterday. Tournament. See, I've lost the fucking days, man. It wasn't yesterday. Yeah. We've established today's Tuesday. Ago. It was two days ago. Yeah. No, well, three days ago would be if it was Wednesday. Wait, it is Tuesday, right? We have <laughs> established Tuesday. today Thank is Tuesday. fucking god. I, it's the Tuesday 29th of November. Oh, it's all falling apart. So Where's my little spinny top thing? I feel like I must be lost in a dream or something <laughs> right spinner. now. The year of our Lord 2022. Oh, dear. Oh, do you okay. remember the time of the fidget spinners? Yeah, yeah, I do. They didn't last very long. It's the, a lot of the fads. Were I you, Jason? Not, I, think, I think it was Machine that was the big one in the fidget spinners, wasn't it? was Anders, too. They, Anders, yeah. was, Anders was big into fidget spinners. That makes sense, though. Alex does like to fidget, right? So... It, it, and Andrew does like to spin, so. Yeah, yeah. Both of those things. Are, uh, what's the what's the fad at the moment? Is there anything like that that's being popularized? Ooh. Is there anything like that that uh, the people are playing with? I don't think so. Nothing along those lines. It's all it's all digital these days. Probably yeah. something stupid on TikTok. Maybe but, people are back to oh. eating Tide Pods or some shit. That's right. TikTok's that whole thing now. I, I'm glad that I don't use TikTok, but it, essentially Instagram has just become TikTok now, right? With just this, you could just keep going, fucking going with those videos. Yeah, stories. the reels. It doesn't yeah. stop. It's just endless. It's an endless. That's bottomless. great. I never have to like stop and think about my life and what I'm doing or anything serious. I can just <laughs> scroll through all this content again and again. No self-reflection necessary. And when just you're watching drown myself in memes. Yeah. Some of it's good though, like to actually learn and do things, right? I f I find it depends on what you're looking to watch, right? But there's this one guy, I've got him on my Instagram and he does lots of things with like plants and fruits and veg and shit and like what you can do to keep stuff fresher for longer or like what you could plant from it. And the cool thing is like it's stuff that's practical and you can use. Obviously, I'm not going to grow a fucking garden in my house. So some of the planting of things isn't going to work. But to know how to keep something um, fresher for longer, right, like is, is really good. Into, what's he called? Creative, creative explained. It's just this dude with long hair who's like showing you, you should, how to do you things around your You should do a garden, Chad. I did a garden I should. I don't get enough sun. It's nice. There's not enough sun in this building. Okay. I, I would like to live somewhere a little bit bigger. And then that brings me to my next point, which we were going to get into cash, right? But fuck it. All I've been doing while Blast was on is waking up, watching Blast, and then in between, uh, watching... Play, well, yeah, playing Anubis late at night, but in between when there was like either a break or whatever for Blast, I was watching like these YouTube videos. And the, I've been watching this guy... Uh, young, young bloods and uh, a guy called Nick Fry and these the, the, these Aussie blokes and they just well Nick uh, the young bloods guys from Western Australia which is where I'm from but basically he just lives in this property that he owns in Exmouth which is way way up the coast from Perth just like on the on the beach he has this he just goes out every day with like a jet ski his fucking truck he's got his dog with him he goes spear fishing and everything like cooks and like catches and cooks whatever he's out like it it's it's like the dream lifestyle. I don't know. It'd be hard to live that way, but just crazy shit like, you know, there's constantly sharks around and everything and he has drone footage of all of it. It's, it seems wild, but it's really nice to watch because it's, it's just uh, reminded me of home. But that's the other content I've been consuming. So that's all I've been doing for that week of Blast is watching that's videos nice. like that, thinking the out nature seems fun, uh, playing Anubis and watching Blast. So here we go. We can get into Blast, I guess. This is a good point. Jason, you were there. You were the man on the ground. I was how, how, how was it all from your perspective? Because yours is, would be the closest to the truth, I would imagine. And In what sense? Like just in terms of how the event went overall? I mean... Yeah, it looked like it a was, fun event. Was it yeah, a fun it event? It was good. It was yeah. good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Blast does a, a really good job in that sense. They're probably the most organized that we have of the TOs in terms of 
talent knowing their calendar and their life pretty much every single day that you're that you're at the event so you really kind of know what to expect and what to be prepared for um which was which was great and uh it's it's one of those you know the first two days at a blast event or at this blast event were were really fucking rough because they do kind of the one criticism i guess you could throw is that they do kind of skip one day they they probably need an extra day or two no, they don't four best of threes a day. So they don't which, have the four best of three yeah, days. Yeah, we kind of left that in were, the past. Yeah, those were those are very long days. I think we touched on the last podcast. Like I think Anders and I doing two best of threes in the first day took like something mental, like nine hours um, from when we were there, uh, from when from when the start of the game was. It was like the seven group and stage. A half hours. The group stage did have a few technical timeouts, like yeah. le- lengthy technical timeouts, which like. We're obviously doing this by blast standards, and that's very rare by blast standards to have those type of uh, little worries. But come the arena, they didn't feel like there was any of those woes, which which is good. But the, I think the reason that those um, timeout, those those technical timeouts feel a little bit more compounded during the four is because of the four best of three days, right? You you yeah. really need to run a perfect day. Every every time you every time you see any kind of extended tech timeout, you just know in the back of everyone's head is just like, oh. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, getting closer to 1 a.m. unless you get a bunch of yep. two O's, right, to make up for it. Because that's the thing, and, and we talk about this a lot, like production crews tend to be just one shift. I know that, like, uh, that's changing in, in, in some businesses. I don't know what's going on with Blast in that regard. I think, I think there's a few positions that switch out and a few positions that they find ways to give, like, some, some extra breaks during the day, but it's nothing to take away, like, to fully take away the pain of a long four best of three day or two back-to-back long best of three day or four best of three days. Yeah. Um, but no, other than that, I mean, it's that they run a tight ship and it was, it was good. It was fun. And obviously it's in the Royal arena, which has that same vibe as like, um, you know, like I, with ESL and back in the day, I mean, it's a little different now cause everything's at IEM, but like back in the day when they still had ESL one and pro league and, and IEMs, IEMs were always the most fun to work because there was a certain, um, intensity to them due to the fact that they were like the, you know, the product is like more historic and legendary. So when you worked an IEM event, you really felt that importance. And um, with Blast, when you go to their fall finals in Royal Arena, that's a really special event to them, especially with all the staff being Danish and everything. You can tell that yeah. everyone's kind of just fully focused and, and everyone is really willing to just go above and beyond and do outside of, of their role. Yeah, a lot of pride in that event. So um, that that kind of sense and culture and, and environment really bleeds over to, to us as talent. Um, which makes it a fun event to work. Yeah, that's like that's like Cologne, and uh, I guess yep. Katowice Cologne to some extension, right? Yeah, uh, and I guess that's one of the things, right? Because this event, and as as per the use, like the production quality from from Blast was was on point, right? Uh, you know that polish which we expect with the product they put out, it, it was there, and they continue to deliver, and that's the home court, right? That, that's that's the thing they've refined that event now. Over the years, we all remember 2017. Well, we don't all remember. We we definitely do. The three of us, 2017, where we're doing a fucking podcast on the desk because of tech issues, and they were unable yeah. to run the first pl- day of play. And then we obviously have the way that Blast has evolved over the years, where they've updated the way they've done some certain things, and and now they've they've fucking got a lot of polish. I think um, the great thing is, it, you know, you watch it and it's an entertaining event. That's the key, right? That's paramount here. And that got me questioning more of what we were talking about last week, where like, what are the viewers? really want right maybe they do just want franchise counter-strike right and i don't know we can return to that conversation too but i think like in the greater landscape we discussed the issues with the blast format before i think the positioning you mentioned this yanko to do with this being the fall final and not the like the world final the positioning of the the this event in their 
their system, which they've created, right? That's the only thing that lets this event down. Like if, if this was their world final, right? This would make this event like the mega, like the, the top of the blast mountain, which would be cool. Cause now we're going to have that where we go to, you guys go to Abu Dhabi or whatever, right? Abu Dhabi. So you guys are heading there to do the, to do the world finals. And that's definitely not going to have the same level of like grandeur as what this, this event did because of the crowd and, and, and everything like that. So I think that's, that's what hurts it's, it a little bit, but it, you know, it, it yeah. does. It does, I think, but also I don't, I don't think it's just that. Well, cause remember too, the first time they did the world final, it actually took place in January. Which was also weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took yeah. place the next year. Um, so, yeah, the world final is That's kind of true. an odd one, I think, until they really establish that event as something special and something unique. I think uh, the biggest problem with it is obviously it being the last event of the year. Uh, like even, even like I'm not going to name any names, but even the players are fucking exhausted right now. Um, so, uh, you know, it's one of those things where it feels like it's one of those things that's kind of tough to look forward to. It's going to be great when you get there. But also, I mean, just to go back, because we've touched on this a million times, we don't have to go too deep into it, but the major being right before it, like that feels, the major, the problem with the major not being the last event is that it feels like it should be the capstone of a season. It feels like you should be able to like kind of yeah. be winding down and just soak in the completion of the major and say, these are our world champions. And they get, you know, this two week, three week span of breathing room where everyone focuses on how good they played. Yeah. Um, and then you go to an event. And I mean, thank God Blast has done such a good job of establishing Copenhagen. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of I, I know I saw like a bunch of Reddit comments and Twitter comments about how. Um, people are just fried from doing essentially. Viewer like, lethargy, yeah. Yeah, are just are just really fried. I know, like, as as good as the event was, the viewership dropped massively from 2021 to 2022. And there's about a million reasons and contextual things we could go into about that one if you guys really wanted to. Um, but I mean, it was a steep, like I think it was like a half a million viewer drop off from like 800 some thousand to 320 thousand or something like that. But this um, this this thing getting moved, right? The majors for 2024 being moved is is hopefully what happens. If that happens, that fixes a lot of these problems, right? That we're talking, like the, the we we know what the issue needs to be. The majors need to be at the end of the seasons, like we like that. If that happens, and then everybody else can you know move their events around accordingly in that time, things are just going to start making a lot more sense because of that. Because on the road to the major, it would have been fantastic to have the four finals as a lead-in event for a lot of these different teams, you know, as an arena event before the major, but it being after kind of changes that spin on it, right? So like if it's at the end, regardless of, you know, what happens and the result is at the major every time, everything in the lead-in has part of the story. Now the story, we're already at the end of the book, but it's still going. We're like, well, we, we know, no, we, we kind of already know how we feel 2022 ended, but it's not right? There's still these couple yeah. of extra pages left over. And then this is where you get in that murky residue where, well, Navi now are flirting with the six man. They're bringing an MPL from the Academy team reported while well, they've said it themselves to play certain maps. Other teams, you go, well, are they discussing a roster change? What's going to happen with G2? They don't have their coach at the moment, right? You can get into a lot of these conversations come this point. And I guess if it's a building block in the lead into the major, then that story will always stay true, right? Like, so by just this framing being changed, I think we we, we know that's key. We have to hope that happens. Now, I I want to stick around the blast stuff here, but uh, fuck it. Well, well, let's, talk, well let's, talk about some, let's talk about some results. Unless okay. you got something specifically about blast as, uh, in terms of the event itself. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I wanted to kind of get Yanko in here. I don't know if he had anything to add to the, the situation. Because it's like we, we mentioned where the event is. Obviously, the format hurts a little bit as well. And I think when you see the World Finals more so OG being qualified for that with the results that they had, you know, the, there's just a couple things here. Like 
th this is the thing. Like Blast put out the the most entertaining event, right? At well, f from the major this year is is the is the contrast that everybody's looking at right now. And Blast put out this really po polished product. It was entertaining, but it comes with these things which are issues in the sense of like format. Um, or the sense of like the point system or where it ends up in the year or what some of them are in their control, some of them are out of it. But then the thing is, does that matter, right? You mentioned the viewer drop-off. Well, the viewer drop-off we could explain away for a couple of reasons. Um, are any of those reasons overlapping? Like are they reasons that people wouldn't have wanted to tune in to Blast? It doesn't matter. Should we all just have like closed circuit counts, right? I don't know. I feel this conversation, maybe it's not for us to have. Maybe it's for us to say to the viewer who's listening right now, hey, how did you like to consume Counter-Strike? Put it in the YouTube comments of this video and it might give us some talking points going forward because some people you know, offer up their opinion about this, but we never really just sit here and ask. And I think that's the key is because the way the viewer wants to consume the content is probably the, the best, right? Like the best source of information we can have. And I know it's only gonna be individuals, but that's really how we can start here. We need to know like, is it, is, do you support teams? Do you support players, right? Or do you just want to watch the best Counter-Strike? Or do you want to watch the fairest Counter-Strike, which is open circuit, right? Do you want to watch just the same names go up against each other and you prefer it like that, like an NBA or an NFL or, or something where it's the same teams and it's the familiar faces and the big signings? Or do you want it to be the fact that anybody, uh, you know, Tom, Dick, Harry, his dog and the cat can make a team and, and be, you know, competing? Like this, this, do they want it in an That'd arena? Cool. Do they want it in an arena in a constant environment like we get? Do they want it in something that's, you know, like three to 4,000 people, a bit more like central stage and a bit more intimate, right? So it still has, what, what type of environments are we talking for this stuff? Because right now we have just evolved quickly in like 20 years of how we give Counter-Strike out to the world. But a lot of that in modern day is defined by what has been sold on by these companies a lot of the time who don't have hardcore Counter-Strike people selling the stuff. All we have as the bare bones for Counter-Strike is MR15, a minute 55 round time. We use 20 second freeze time. We got 40 second bomb time. And how do we want to display that 5v5 over the MR15? That's it. That should be like the base thought. But what we have is like minutes sold, right? So the minutes watched that has been sold on uh, responses. Every, you know? every TO always will present the broadcast in the way that suits them the best. <laughs> you know, like if they had a lot of games over the course of the tournament, then probably the metric that they're going to discuss is going to be, you know, minutes watched or total minutes watched or whatever it is. And if it's, of course, they had a really good series in the tournament that uh, was very exciting, you know, like your Navi, Navi phase or Navi Fury or whatever, and, be, and it's a really close game, goes into OT, which always draws more viewers, then they're gonna say, oh, peak viewership was this much, right? So, I mean, that's their job. That's how they need to do it in order to present the numbers in the nicest way possible to attract sponsors and attract money. And that's fine. I think for me personally, you think about it, it's probably a combination of good CS and also names in terms of that the viewers are going to be familiar with it and establish the sort of a emotional attachment to or connection right like yeah. everyone loves a cool storyline whether it's an underdog storyline whether it's a redemption storyline whether Heroic it's a, cool a coming story of age storyline right like that's why we talk about content and building these storylines as broadcasters and narratives because that's where you build that sort of a relationship and create that attachment for viewers to more than just the counter-strike because it if, if it was only about who plays good counter-strike well, that would be kind of boring. Like for all the 
shit I give occasionally to Maniac on the desk for being aromantic, like, you, that's, you know, the nicer way to do it and a cooler way to look at things and think about mm. things. Yeah. yeah, look, I, um, I think you, there's also the matches, right? Like, the styles of the way teams play. Because, like, FaZe always seems to offer up an exciting game to watch, right? There's always going to be someone who gets, like, a massive clutch round or someone that gets, like, a fucking round with a bunch of one-taps or something. Like, their game always seems exciting to watch. S similar, yeah. uh, well, maybe not always, not always with a Na'Vi, right? But most of the time with a Na'Vi. Like, they say in fighting, right, styles make fights, right? Well, it's, do we think the same thing in Counter-Strike? Yeah, oh, for sure. I think so as well. Definitely not to the same extent. But yeah, you know, comparing someone like FaZe and the way they play to the way outsiders play, even though it's great Counter-Strike and it's very efficient and whatnot, absolutely for the viewer, probably not as entertaining. But I think to most people, that's probably secondary to... Like, look, for example, the Imperial games we had this year. Like, everyone, you could feel like everyone was pulling for them. Right, because like they had a pretty cool storyline, and you know, especially if you watch them play over the years, you probably feel a little bit of an attachment to that whole story, to that narrative, and and whatnot. Right, like so. Remember how it was when they were playing Cloud Nine in Antwerp, when they were playing Complexity at the RMR for Rio, even playing Cloud Nine in Rio in the O2 game. So I think that's like some of the more cooler parts storylines um whatever of of what we're doing here right and not all of them have to be as romantic as you know the the last dance the most overused term in <laughs> probably yeah you know counter-strike broadcast sports in general but yeah it can be that it can be you know phase like putting it all together like in, and for kerrigan to finally kind of solve the puzzle for an extended period of time potentially for the greatest player of all time to finally find team success and you know there's all these little storylines like that or big storylines that you can tap into and sort of well feed off I, of for, that's I, also yeah go on Chad. i was just gonna say like i i love all the storyline stuff the thing is i just look at like i look at the major grand final Okay, it was the major grand final and it was a 16-12, 16-5. The 16-12 Mirage game, uh, Heroic were always playing catch up, right? They were never in the lead. I think it was 13-8 in favor of Outsiders at one point and then it was closed 15-12, right? So it was a game where, okay, maybe Heroic like chipped back in with a couple of rounds but really never felt like they were breaking through. Then you compare that to this grand final, which was uh, three maps, 16-11, 16-12, 19-16. And there was like, it was back and forth. There was lots of clutches, right? There was lots of intense moments when you get to Mirage, Brokey having to win those one-on-ones with the AWP and stuff. It goes all the way to overtime. It's, you know, so the game, the actual game of Counter-Strike was more entertaining. Like, without a doubt. You could, you watch the two, the two matches side by side, you take away the crowd, you take away um, everything else. You, take, you could take away the, the context. You just know that they're both grand finals. The game of Counter-Strike in one compared to the other was much more exciting, right? That, like, the, this is the thing. And this is the thing we always talk about when it's, we, we can do everything. We can present all the storylines, all the stats, all the information for everybody to know, everything can be in place. But if the game of Counter-Strike is boring, like it will, maybe not boring, right? But it's just not mega, mega exciting. It doesn't have all the clutch moments, all those exciting moments. It doesn't have that flow. It's not going to be an exciting game. It's like a match of football you go and watch that just ends nil-nil and it's a draw. 
yeah, England, USA. Right, but this this shit can happen, right? And and, and that's care about that. That, I was watching it. I was so fucking mad. I was like, wait, aren't there shootouts in this like no this group stage? I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. Just Do you think you're gonna make it through, Jason? Uh I'd like to think so. We got a whole like uh got a whole little uh, I don't know, I guess there's like a little whole political backdrop to the Iran game, which is kind of uh Oh yeah. As, as far as storyline goes, that, that makes me excited. I didn't even uh, know that who who was in your group. I'm having a look now. Uh Wales, Iran, England, and USA. Oh dear. And you've got two draws. Yeah, two draws. So, so you far. need we this win. To, we have to win this one. Wales and okay. England are in the same out. group, of course. If if Australia beat Denmark, we go through. Nice. We're there probably we not going to beat Denmark, so I don't think. And we really need matters, to beat Well, Denmark Friday. lost to the French recently, so it's doable. Switzerland on Friday. You, Brazil, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Okay. We've, you but know, we'll look at us. Four years all of ago us in the World, World Cup, Cup, we were also in a group with Brazil and Switzerland. Oh, really? That's crazy, yeah, exactly. Fucking hell, all right. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Chad, 100%. Like, there's nothing you can do if a game is simply not as entertaining. Not even either the names of teams or the style, right? But they're just something that's out of your control. What you do is you do your best as a storyteller and all the content we do, the lead-up, right, to kind of present it and present the inciting parts and then the Counter-Strike, well, it is what it is. I remember like a couple of years back, back to back, like 2017 to 2018 in the Super Bowl, you had like one of the most entertaining Super Bowls ever when the Eagles played the Patriots, right? And it's just this yeah. crazy game, right? Like everyone was tuning in. It was so exciting. Lots of points, sick calls, sick individual plays, right? Then the next year we have the Patriots play the Rams, like a 13-3 game, right? Which just like... You know when the wide receiver is the MVP of the Super Bowl, you know that's how you know it was a shit Super Bowl, right? Like so that's what happened in that one. And even though you had again like Tom Brady's in another Super Bowl and you have all these storylines and some players on the other side and whatnot, it's still like it's a fucking thirteen three game, man. It's like you guys are yeah, doing st- your best. Stomp. And, and and you know, like it's not even that it was a stomp, it's just like a sh- kind of boring low scoring game, right? Like that's like your sixteen <laughs> Five or a sixteen ten with like a lot of saving and the game was never really in question. Yeah, and that's but that that I think is like uh, you know I have to keep reminding myself of that as just someone a bit more involved in the space, right? Because I I don't think I think like a lot of it gets conflated. Like this was a bad event, but really like no, it was the games that were bad, right? Like or the, the well, just weren't exciting. And then that's why I come back and that's why I'm asking this question of like, maybe the viewer does just want more like franchise heavy stuff because if we can guarantee that teams like FaZe who are going to play exciting well, Counter-Strike are there deep in events all the time, like, it, I, look, if I go to a UFC fight, I don't have the technical listen, understanding. Chad, you're also fucking, you can't please everyone, right? Like you can't I know, please but people all the time. Like you shouldn't be trying to do that even. It's like, you know, people like different things. For example, with blast events, like one of the things with like sprong, these finals is like usually there's always at least one team that's missing or like yeah. one or two teams, right? Like you didn't have vitality uh, at the fall finals, right? Uh, no, I don't think they qualified. They didn't For qualify. example, right? Or or you obviously didn't have outsiders who just won the major, but they just came a little bit out of nowhere so to speak so there's always like going to be this like one or two teams are missing but that gives an opportunity for someone else to do something like cloud nine obviously wasn't also at this one if you guys still want to put them in those types of conversations um but yeah so that's something that 
it's not really like that every time there's the best team there, but it feels like there's enough of the world's best teams that you could still get some have good an exciting matchups event. and yeah. have an exciting event, which is fine because one of the things, one of the best things you've said over the years is like, if everything is hype, then nothing is hype, right? Like you can't have, True. not every yeah. tournament can be, oh, this is like the most important matchups and tournaments, like especially if it comes after the major, that's again why we want for the majors to be at the end because then it takes away from these tournaments that we have to work at and sort of not necessarily hype them up but find some meaning for them right and talk about like what it means for some of these teams like we did in dallas after the antwerp major trying to find meaning for some of those wins and thinking yeah that's going to be it for cloud nine and and whatnot so yeah i i, I think that's like a uh, the thing with the NFL is also this. Sure, like it's a franchise league, but it's 32 teams and, you know, you play the teams in your division twice. But, you know, it can be that some teams that are not in the same conference, like in the regular season, they might meet once every four years, for example, right? So you would yeah. have these matchups, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they're not in the same conference. Is like if they don't meet in the Super Bowl, like they played like maybe three times, four times over like 12, 13, 14 years that they've been in the league. So even if it's a regular season game, like you're kind of hyped to see that. And I think now we're in a spot where we're not oversaturated anymore. Like we maybe were a couple of years back where you had, you know, Navi Face, for example, you would see them play every other tournament, right? Which then kind of loses its purpose. But also it's not as scarce right where you're really like kind of when it happens you are like insanely hyped about it because this might be the only time this year that you see you know phase versus navi that you see for example zai will go up against simple right in a true head-to-head -head. so we're somewhere in between now and i think it's still the circuit is sort of still ironing itself out in that sense yeah. in terms of how many games we get like that and i think that's that's all right, and I think that's also great because it gives space to, to tournaments like Pro League to be different and be more fun and, and be more about something else and not just about, this is the biggest arena and this tournament <laughs> is so important and there's a lot of prize money and points and whatnot. It's like, yes, that's great tournaments with a lot on the line, as we've seen in the major, right? But if you have seven of those in a year... Do they really all, like, how much do, do all of them matter in between themselves, you know? So really, we're looking for something that's a bit of everything, right? We want to make sure that we do have these events. And this is and this is the thing overall. Like in my mind, if we had, like, Katowice, Cologne, uh, Copenhagen, right? And, and it made, like, it. the thing that's an eight-team event, which is the finish of a group stage, right? Like, the way that it's structured, we don't, I don't look at it as the way that it's structured. I don't go and connect the dots of, oh, they qualified yeah. in the group stage months ago, and now that, like, I kind of look at it, okay, well, these are the teams of where they're at in Counter-Strike right now. Like, NIP just made these roster changes. I don't look and see how they qualified when they qualified a couple months ago uh, in the group stage or through the showdown or whatever, right? Obviously, you need to look at that to contextualize for the viewer, but in terms of, like, the Counter-Strike that's being played at that moment, it's that Counter-Strike that's being played in that moment. So, just that format there, I think, adds that hurdle for, for them. If Blast can work that out and they can just have this event in the Royal Arena as their marquee event, maybe they expand it to 16 teams, you know, make it something so more, I don't, I don't know, I'm talking out of my ass here. But if they can make that event so it's on that same level of grandeur in terms of the amount of potential participants of a certain scale and then it's just a big event with a big prize pool and everything like that, sick. Sick. 
it'll join because like in terms of the crowd and the environment, everything you get there, it's, it's up there with the big arena events, right? I think that that's the only thing that it's, it's kind of missing. And for a lot of the viewers, right? Like they, they probably don't care about that because they are getting their entertainment value, but in maybe the prestige for the players in a way, it could add a bit more. This is why it was great that heroic one, because it meant so much obviously for the Katie yeah, and heroic storyline, the Denmark as well, like that added a whole extra layer to what that event meant. Right. Yeah, they, they got very fortunate with that with that storyline with Heroic kind of saving the day, especially considering Heroic was almost knocked out in you know the quarters as well. G two almost ruined everything. That's um, a curious point there, Jason. I'm going to put a mark on that one right there because I know we're going to want to return to that. Yeah. G two versus oh, fuck it. I'm going to j- jump into it now. G two versus Heroic. Does it make the the way that you look at G two different, knowing they lost to Heroic, who eventually won the event? Nope. Okay. Well, I tried. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I wish it did, but I mean, G2's expectations are just too too high with this roster that they have. Um, and I mean, just uh, like that series wasn't even like that series too, like wasn't even necessarily that that close, right? It was 16-8, 16-6, and 16-12. So I don't even necessarily like it was really just like one competitive map. And it was nice seeing G2 kind of pop off the way they did on Nuke. But we all knew they had that peak in them already. It's just about being there yeah, they, consistently. We just expect them to be in finals, right? Like this, this team and this. It's like what Yanka, what you would always say when you're talking about your time in phase. Like the the expectation of this team is to be in finals and be winning trophies and shit, right? Like that's that's just the the nature of G two. They're just expected to be a top five team all and, the time. And no matter how much positive you want to take away from that, it just kind of gets dumpstered when on the other side of the bracket you have Alexi B and NIP making it further yet again in another tournament. Yeah, I, well, see, but but that's the thing. Like you, you can you. We're measuring by interesting little markers there, because yep. in these events, right? They didn't play the major. That's their own fault. But they lost to Liquid and they lost to Heroic at this event. Those are the teams that that eliminated them from the tournament. So but there wasn't a lot of games to be played. To be fair, they only played three best yeah, of threes in total. So also, you know, why are you losing to Liquid as well? Oh yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Right, like so. Sure, but these are teams that are definitely beatable. Like Heroic did win the tournament and they played good Counter Strike, but you know they're not such a dominant force where you're thinking. The problem is also you look at that game and how they lose, and you know on the last map they get a decent uh, first half, like nine six on vertical. They win the pistol st, so they're up eleven yeah. six, and then they just you know Heroic goes on a ten one streak to close out like the decide from map. like an eco loss as well exactly right so it's the problem is a little bit of it is more of the same for g2 right like not being able to kind of have a strong t side when you really just needed to win a big series right like an important series like it, it, it gets missing again go back to their map pick they pick mirage they win pistol at OST, they again lose the second round end up with just three rounds on the half you know yeah. like you have to yes, find the way ways losing, to just yeah, do sure. more, and this is after you not being playing for what, like, what did they say? Five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks without an official. Like, sure, it sucks to not have officials for so long, but at least you did have fucking time to figure shit out and watch other teams play and kind of steal some of the cool new things the teams were doing at the major, right? So, 
I don't know what their home map's meant to be. That's something that bothers me a bit with G2. Like, True. I just don't know what their best map is. I don't think they know what their best map is. That also comes as a symptom of uh, not being able to play officials, but you should have a pretty good idea of practice, like what you're really good on. But maybe that's the thing. Maybe in practice, they were quite good on everything. But if you're beating everybody in practice or if you're having good practice results, then that could be contextualized by people either, you know, not be, being at the major or coming back from the major. Maybe they're not like at 100%. Because this is this is where the ramping for all the teams is different, right? And I loved this from Tommy all those years ago where he would like say, this is this team's Super Bowl. Well, for G2, anything is this Super Bowl at the moment, right? They just have to fucking win something. They just have to, not the trophy necessarily, but go deep, make sure they're getting victories. Like every match has that level of kind of pressure because of how long it's been between anything even remotely of what we expect of them. And I think that that is something that... Um, probably plagues them right but that's by their own doing so uh, you, you can't really let them off the hook for that either and i mean you look at the heroic series and you have monacy nico hunter all above you know the 1.10 uh, rating for that series so like you know the stars played well it feels like um, that's kind of what you want to see from g2 like that's when you are hoping to see them in series and they just couldn't really um, the the lack of T sides was was atrocious yeah. for G two at this event. I mean, the only the especially in that series, the only T side they had that that put any significant rounds on the board was that was that nuke T side, and that was just them winning out of the gates off virtue of having economic advantage and having such a big big lead. Like they didn't ever actually when they were forced to have a T side that could actually take advantage and economy away from the CTs. It was just like nope, you have no chance. You you have no no opportunities. Yeah, once they're established, right? So it's like yep. yeah. I, I don't know. It's 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 one I of think, these yeah. I think their their team just feels when I watch them, they just don't seem to have like a good cohesion of play styles. Like I don't I don't know it just feels like they're like too passive for like current days of Counter Strike on like an individual level, like from a broad the decision making so strange and it feels like slow and certain times yeah. it looks like it's either being like they're either thinking too much or they're not thinking enough. Like, I think it was in the Liquid game. I want to check here. But there was like a round where they they lost Nico outside on Nuke, I think it was. Let me just fucking find this here. Make sure I'm not, not talking out of my ass, which is pretty common. Uh, G2 versus Liquid. Just say it with here confidence we and we'd never expect it. They didn't play them on. Who was it they played on? Oh, this was early against Heroic, I think, where they like aggressed lobby. Um, Nico died outside after maybe going one for one. And they aggressed lobby and the two players in top site... Uh, they were chilling. It was like a, it was, yeah, and JK has pushed in a squeaky and Monacy's yeah. pushed up in a radio. But then the two guys in top side, they didn't reboost top hut to get rafter control or they didn't drop down the vent. So everybody was top side. And then Monacy has to go back and look at ramp because they could have gone outside around to ramp. And then JKS isn't sure if he needs to be watching the main walk-in yep. or the, the lobby walk-in. And then they get caught off guard and they lose that round. I think I, Nico I got two rounds. kills. I think he got two kills yep. outside in warehouse and they didn't deal with the space that they had lost appropriately. They had taken the space, right? But there wasn't the correct response from everybody. Like, it they was feel, like they just—they just feel like they had no confidence in that setup, despite the fact that it was like they. I said it at the time, I think during the cast too, because I remember this round specifically. I was just like, they just like don't seem to realize how big of an advantage they have in terms of this positioning. Yeah. Like it's, they didn't seem comfortable in it whatsoever. Monacy overextended into radio room, missed a shot, got killed. JKS got hard cleared, and then it was like, well, okay. Round's over, like it, sick. It looked like they did, and we all know this. We've all been at home, and we've been getting smashed in a fucking in a in a game on nuke on the CT side, and we say, "Fuck it, let's all just push lobby." And you push lobby, and there's nobody in lobby, and everyone kind of looks at each other like, "Well, 
where do we go now? Right? That's the kind, it's kind of what it looked like for them. They got the space and they're like, well, no one's fucking here. We don't have everything covered. We're fucked. And, and that's, it's just some, some bad vertigo as well. It always looks so stringy on their vertigo with how indecisive they are. Okay, we know we've lost ramp control. They could be walking up scaff, but let's do this weird fucking awkward timing where we find ourselves in no man's land between sight and short. We get spammed, we get mollied out of position. None of the fights are favorable, we die. It's like, man, like, I don't know what's off there. Is it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, obviously, I'm a bit more invested in how these boys play than other teams. Um, so I, I, I look at it and I just go, this the, just fucking the, sucks. The biggest problem is sort of they're lacking identity at the moment, right? Like you mentioned their map pool as well. They, they have no idea probably what their best map is at this point. Um, stylistically, right? Like the change ever since Suxi uh, was brought in, probably they're still getting a little bit adjusted to that. I don't know, even though it should have been enough time especially with the amount of time they've had to practice around the major and yeah we'll see if they decide to change things up who are they going to get as their coach is it going to be Kassad? is it going to be someone else like what their plans are going to be for next year really but yeah as you were talking about super bowls and stuff and their every event being a super bowl for them it's like especially when you miss the major the fall final and then the world final is really you expect them to have done better at the fall final right like not not necessarily even making it further just like it's again not the, the quality of counter-strike they play man, after two months yeah, yeah. please yeah it's I, the quality I, test, of I test failed i test failed really hard for g2 it's, it was a hard event with a lot of good teams there in terms of them being able to win it or go mega deep but it's the type of counter-strike i think that's the thing right if they go to the world finals and the type of counter-strike's better and every game's close or whatever because uh, they're going to be against good teams again right that that for me like i and and if they are going to change roster then this is just a waste of time again like they only really got two months with this roster they're in the lead-in for the major didn't qualify and then the team basically dead after that well, like if, I don't know. I don't know how you change roster system. if you're G two because you don't have a coach right now. Oh well, there's lots of problems that they have right now. So, well, yeah. Swanee's doing the coaching, but you, in the in the main coach position, I get what you're saying. They yeah. don't. They haven't but signed I, a new I, official. I, coach, I don't but. know if they. Yeah, if they're planning on keeping him long term, fine. But you know, I guess it depends okay. on the results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's kind of maybe trying to fight Stop for a bit of a job right here. Place. Yeah. Well, we we did mention heroic. Do we want to do we want to go back to them? Yes. We managed to go from heroic because to G two. Heroic's a good one. Yes, and I feel like I can do a good job of separating their Counter-Strike from everything else, really. And they are playing some really good Counter-Strike and have been for quite a while, and the way they approach it like makes a lot of sense and whatnot. And I also like, you know, Kadian has grown on me over the okay. years. And like I can appreciate Welcome. what he does for the team as a leader and for those guys on a sort of an emotional level as well and the bond that they've created and stuff. But can we please stop pretending that like it's all, how can I say it? Like that his redemption arc is doesn't have like a big fucking stain on it from the cheating. That's, part that's of why it. it's a redemption right? arc. Like, that's part of it. You gotta though, right? have the stain. Because that, that framing, Yanko, the thing that you're yeah, bringing this up... Is, is, this is after he sort of made the redemption, after he redeemed himself, is when this happened. No, but so, so but this is the thing. I know what you're saying. That was in the online era, right? 
and those the when they they won Cologne, right? Times, they won Cologne and they won Pro League. Is that correct? Well, Why does that feel yeah, correct? Yeah, they won a call it Cologne, but yes, correct. they won an all. Yeah, but it was they was named DSL one. Cologne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, these <laughs> are these are weird times. That's what we were experiencing, right? But they they had those results right in the online era, and then this whole Hunden situation happens, and then it drags out for a very extensive period of time, and then there's this whole like files getting leaked to Astralis thing and all of, all of that, right? This has really kicked on for a long time. This is part of that redemption arc. Like the thing is, Kaden and well, because the the there's two ways this gets looked at, right? There's some people who are in the camp who are like, okay, actually, there's three there's three camps here. There's some people who are like, okay, well, we'll never really know the truth of like what happened with Hunden telling his teammates if he had or hadn't seen anything, right? There's different sides of the story here, uh, and there's going to be assumptions that are made. And that's, that's what happens, right? So there, there's all these different camps and the way you can look at it. Some people think one way 100%, the other way 100%. Some people are in the middle. But regardless, that has happened. So this is part of that redemption arc because the story all the way back, it's like, okay, so he's playing early CSGO. He played at the first major. Um, you know, the, he wasn't really mega accepted by the Danish scene. So he ends up getting cast aside, has to go out there and play uh, with Rogue North in America. America. Yeah, comes back, playing in North and stuff, then is in this heroic roster and then builds this heroic roster and is this big leader and everything. And then there's all of those different... like accomplishments, Yeah, accomplishments and stuff along the way. Then the then the cheating thing is like the, the, the big one at the very end. And then now it's to winning this trophy. And that's all happened in this 10-year time span, basically, right? So this mark that you're talking about, some people will look at it and they, they will never be Cadian fans or whatever because of this mark. They believe so like strongly that, yeah, he cheated and this, that, and the other, that they'll never be able to look past that regardless of what happened now. There's other people who are in that middle, more gray area zone, like, well, you know, we're really never going to know what well, happens. I'll, 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 I like to think like I can go past that and I feel like yeah. I am, but I, I just don't like the fact, you know, we shouldn't forget about it that it happened but th that's the thing though like when you say forget about it i i'm assuming that puts you on the side of this is where you believe that hunden uh, that the teammates knew that the information was given to them while they were playing i'm just talking about the part where he made it known to the team that when he hunden made it known to the team to this bug as we know he did because they said it themselves and yeah. they sort of did nothing about it. They said nothing to the org or anyone else. They were just kind of... Oh. Well, this is where it gets a little bit murky, right? Like with the... Because the way that it was Not in the... Me, it was Stown and Caden, right? <laughs> were the two that were given the, the statement. Is this what we're talking about? Was it the two of them who were given the statement? I forget, I forget how the. Let, the let's whole... not dig all the way deep into these details. This is this is my problem with it. Is like, the, it's it is it is murky, and I think at this point, like, look, if there's nothing that's going to be done by the leagues and by the other institutions that are supposed to keep up integrity, mostly because those institutions royally fucking suck. But you see, Jay, this, um, yeah, I don't care. I don't care about the institution. I don't care about them getting like punished banned or whatever i'm just talking about like your values like morally as a person i don't think i don't think anyone forgets about it but what are you like you can't bring it up every single time I, my, per like my perception well, but you can't like you can if yanko wants to right but, yeah but I'm that's kind right of but, but that also wasn't my quote you know i wasn't just winning like, yes congrats came but never forget that he didn't like uh you know report yeah. hunden this one time like that's that's not my goal but also you know like that's the reason why you can't and like go out and start. he's a saint and you know whatever it's like has anyone said he's a saint though 
Well, come on, Jason, don't take me literally. You know, you know what? I, I, I think, I think, I think what Yanko's <laughs> saying is the way, like it. Obviously, it swings, right? Like you see all of this out there, like, oh yeah, Kadian's always been such a swell guy. Like you know, this guy. When we know, like from behind the scenes, there's a lot of pros who whatever take who take issue with the ways that like Kadian likes to celebrate and all that kind of stuff, or maybe they haven't liked him the most in the past. Like that's been rumors and whatnot, but. Like the thing is, my experience. I don't with give Katie a fuck about celebrating, man. He can celebrate whichever the way he fucking I, wants. He can tell any player to go fuck himself. Like that's all part of the game. Like while you're playing, you just can't fucking cheat. That's not part of the game, right? Or uh, silently condone cheating, right? Or whatever it is. Again, I agree with Jason. Like it wasn't my point to like go super deep into it or anything. As I said, like I can appreciate heroic and Kadian for the Counter Strike they're playing and the leadership he's displaying for that team and i'm actually happy that they you know won a tournament but for me that's also something that is going to creep in the back of my head every time or one day when he retires that's going to be a thing that's going to be on his resume yep right like for sure even if he goes on to win a major with heroic like the next one and or they now establish themselves as the best team in the world and that's great and i'll go at to tournaments and i'll be on podcasts and i'll talk about how great they are as a team and they're a really tight-knit group and you know that helps them in games and you know they're playing some really good counter-strike and all of that and and one day when there's you know the whole you're gonna have to look back at the whole thing like this little fucking shitty thing unfortunately like is going to, to be there, which I don't yeah. think really is necessarily a representation of his character as much. But that's probably something that he's going to regret when everything's said and done, that he didn't handle that situation differently as the leader he has been and sort of kind of understand the importance of that moment at that time. Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Fair. It's just, that's all it, fair. Yeah, yeah right, definitely I so. Like I, I don't know. Like it's, I it's just been too outrageous for this. No, you've been you've been reasonable. It's just I think for me when I look back at the the situation that that happened, I just sit here and I go, okay, well, should they have come out and said something? Yeah. Did they come out and say something? No. Okay. Well, that that's it, right? Like that's the, like, I don't. I'm not in the side that goes, oh, I think they were actively receiving information from their coach while they were playing. Maybe I'm I wrong. also don't think that. Happen. yeah but then if it's just like okay well they they should have said something but they didn't and can i make a bunch of reasons as to why they probably didn't say something yes does that mean it's okay no what does that mean in the scheme of everything okay shitty shitty choice at the time probably should have handled things differently but they didn't and now we're here and i don't know maybe that's because i'm getting fucking soft but that that I, it's I, I don't even it's not that I don't think about it like I just constantly exists but I, it doesn't it's not like a black cloud that follows that around for me because I've always liked watching their style of Counter-Strike and the way that they play and I know that shouldn't have anything to do with like the the moral choices and whatnot but my relationship with Kadian has always been a, a good one um, that inherently I suppose makes me biased because I've, I've known him for all these years and he's always seemed like a good lad and always been happy to share a lot of information and time which is uh, yeah. always greatly appreciated um so yeah I, I i i'm not dismissing what you're saying by any means Jack. i agree with 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 what you're bringing up i just for me it doesn't it doesn't linger as something that um comes out as the first thing when i think about heroic uh, for me i i just think about um that, i don't know i the the way we talk about it on broadcast i kind of the, the the team side of things right it's like they've built a brotherhood over there and, and a lot of this adversity that they've gone up against as a core as a unit has been against these 
external things. And as we've just addressed, some of them may be brought on by their own, well, maybe not their own choices, but their own reactions to whatnot. Um, but they've they've had to battle against that and the, the us versus the world mentality um, that they've been able to build. They look like, they look like a team in in like a really hardcore sense, like what you would like in if it was a Disney movie, what you'd imagine a team to be like, right? Like the way that they grab each other's faces and they're fucking like talking to and and the only thing that seems to matter in a lot of those moments is the teammates around them, right? And the way that they're always they they conduct themselves a lot like a, a team would in in my like Disney picture in my brain. Is that does anybody else have that kind of vibe about yeah. them? Or, yeah, yeah, I definitely do. I think it's, I think it's awesome to watch. And I mean, I think a lot of it, I think it's cool watching like Katie and when like during the group stage, when him and Stown had that huge round on vertigo, I forget against two and Katie's just up, just like turning to Stown and just hyping him up individually, just telling him he's fucking sick. Like he's fucking amazing. And just fucking hyping his boy up and getting him excited. And then you see during like the the grand final as well, Stown has like a huge like one on two clutch and Katie's like encouraging him to like enjoy the moment and get the crowd boosted up and, having him like take a bow, so to speak, get his, get his moment, his time in the sun. Um, that whole development I think has been, has been everything. I, I, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I think the, I don't like, I think that you could probably make a strong case for Cadian being in-game leader of the, or leader of the year. You could probably make a very strong case. Oh, based Maybe off not, of like oh, the more literal oh, leader Jason, sense in please. that. I think he's going with the hardcore leading. Yeah, into hardcore it's not just part. it's not just like the in-game strategic stuff, but as a leader, like name another person that you think could have kept this team together and as tight knit of a group and as competitive as they've been across two the, years. The problem is it's with up against all the Carrigan, fucking disasters. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That, that's why that's why your argument for this year like immediately would just exactly. get snuffed out. Because the Kerrigan yeah, yeah. situation is, but I understand. But I don't even. I, I think even if you put Kerrigan in heroic, I don't know if he would have been able to do it. No, I know. I get. I, I think. I think like the literal comparison would come with the resumes and stuff. But the thing is, what you're yeah. talking about is uh, the intangible bit, stuff e outside exactly, the server, right? Like if we were talking about, if we were just saying like the maybe most emotional, or emotional is probably the wrong. Uh, maybe emotional is a good term for it. But like that type of leader, right? Then Dude, he is the heart and soul of that team. Like, I don't oh, care. Yeah. Like, if you take him out of that team, I imagine that team fucking crumbles. I imagine they fall apart. Yeah, yeah well, there's probably no so. One, I don't think anyone would question that, but that, that, that fact doesn't make him the best leader of this year. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, look. Like, I think like it just it's Chad a, said, it's a, Kerrigan with the resume is going to trump it. Exactly. But I think there's a real argument and a real tribute that should be given over to Kadian for the fact that he's held this team together in this fashion. Because this team had about, surely they had about six different opportunities over the past two, three years to just die, to just break up and be gone. Sure, but yeah, that just doesn't make him the best leader of this year. That's the thing. Like we have this propensity, and I'm not saying like. You do it, Jason, but just like yeah, Jason, be because you fuck. something, some, someone's done something good or whatever, like someone's had an accomplishment. Now we want to make it out to be more than it actually is, right? Which in a, some weird way kind of, what's the word? Like It degrades it, yeah, the, it, the it, actual it degra achievement. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 a little bit, right? Which is not the case here in this particular example, right? But just in general as a thing so i absolutely agree with heroic that probably no other in-game leader could do it not because they're good enough but it's just this sort of a match that makes a lot of sense right like you know you look at when katie and joined the team and how 
the team became good over time if you had like you know better players at the time or more known players they probably would have had too much ego to you know listen to him and open themselves to that sort of leadership but these players weren't the kind or aren't just like you know even um personality wise aren't like that so they could really soak that in sort of and they all became better together and he is holding that team together you know like do i think if Stone goes to phase let's say instead of someone there could he still play really well and maybe make that team better and they could still win trophies probably but would he ever want to really leave as of right now no i can't really see that happening i feel like you know people on that team are more like tabson on big even if they had sure, yeah, objectively yeah. better opportunities to go somewhere else they'd, they'd rather stick with their you know group of people and 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 try to make it you know as part of that group but also i mean in our you know inarguably heroic always had way higher potential and more chances to actually become the best team in the world and and win trophies than necessarily big ever had but yeah yeah i get what you're saying i get what you're saying there yeah i i think this this conversation about um Throwing roster, we're kind of uh, like broad at the moment with it, but like the Counter-Strike specifics of the way they've been playing the game, a lot of the questions have been uh, about whether they can do it on LAN in the high pressure environment, right? Because to be that proactive and to be constantly moving around and taking all these gaps and uh, sometimes it's a bit more individual, right? With the space that's been taken, but really it's been done with very clear communication and expectations that have been set, right? Like, okay, we have this space. We're expecting this rotation. Like, Yabby's walking out fucking monster or Tessus is making like a launch play up fucking long on overpass. Like, a lot of these maneuvers that they're doing, they have so much trust in one another. And I think that that's another thing that builds into this like broader picture that we're talking about with them being a team. Like, they're happier to take these type of risks. They feel more emboldened to take these type of risks because of the type of environment that's been built. And um, that that's another one of the keys of, of having like a one nationality type of team i think is you do get and it's a little bit different for a lot of europeans i i know but uh there's still that type of pride in that regard we talked about there's been a very strong team and then on that they're playing this very reactive uh reactive proactive active type of counter-strike here and and it, it can be a pleasure to watch when it all works and it's another one of these teams that presents exciting counter-strike i mentioned phase before being very explosive and always wanting to fight and having these big multi-kill rounds well heroic rounds are counter-strike can be exciting as well. Obviously, not so much against outsiders in the major final. Um, because they were getting old. They were getting fucking destroyed by James. I was actually watching James stream yesterday, the day before. He was playing some Anubis with Norbert, and uh, I think Kicker was in there as well. I was really trying to get that one scoped out from seeing what moves they were up to. Uh, but yeah, it, like I, I don't know. I think this is a good win for Heroic. As we touched on before, a big one on Danish soil in the Royal Arena. That was cool to have all that kind of come together. Um, I was really impressed with the Danish fans, the fact that there were so many of them, especially when there was World Cup games going on. I know that there's a big overlap with Counter-Strike fans and football fans. Um, I also think it was great how much of a turnout there was for Heroic fans as well, right? Because we know that yeah. that arena has always had a lot of uh, Astralis fans and, and now Heroic getting their time in the, in the sun after I was highlighted on the broadcast that last year, how they were getting like uh, booed and everything. So it's, it's which is a, a bit more relevant at the time with the whole cheating stuff probably as well. That's subsided a little bit since then. Um, so all of that was really good. And the, the conversation about, uh, you know, Blast, well, maybe not Blast, but a major in Copenhagen, I think, like, that has to be one of the pitches for a major in the next couple of years. Like, that, the, this is where it is a bit of a problem for Blast if they have their circuit, right? They might not want to pitch Copenhagen for a major 
because it will take that away from one of the stops on their circuit for the four finals. Oh, same way Whereas ESL doesn't really be, pitch Cologne as a major yeah. It'd be it'd be a good way if they were ever going to change the format of their season and have if they wanted to turn the fall finals into a more standalone event with 16 yeah. teams it'd be a good way to kick that off it'd be well, a really good way if the first time you kind of change your format to where there's not like a season lead into that event it's just a standalone tournament to turn it into a major and get that off and running well let's get valve on the line and let's let's do it this way let's uh let's get them on the phone let's say when they do shift uh the the player range uh, sorry the major range dates and it's at the end of the year in 2024 like we can all pray to our lord uh gabe for this they can make the the second major of 2024 the blast copenhagen major and then the following year they can run that oh no they won't be able to if they move the things fuck my plan is gone my it's plan gone was already. gone but you either had way it for like 20 seconds though yeah it was, was a good plan it sounded like seconds. you were building up into something special moment, yeah well yeah. you guys can see that i think about things live right you know there's nothing nothing uh pre-planned <laughs> no in my brain there's, nothing there's pre-planned no at all uh, but that would, I think that you know we, we go full circle. But that would be something that would be cool for Blast. I think to be able to do on there and that, yeah, that could be lots of fun. Um, do we want to talk about anything else from this event, like phase? I, I, I'm I don't like the like I've already mentioned the OG qualifying for the World Finals thing. I think this is the most egregious thing about the circuit is the way that those points get distributed. Did we talk about it on the last episode? Uh, a, little a little bit. bit. We touched on it. Yeah. Um, well, but yeah, um, OGs essentially for those for those listeners who might not have heard, OGs qualified for the World Finals by virtue of essentially winning two of the group stages, where they got like in eighty or eighty or ninety percent of their points for just from doing good at the group stages. I think it's twenty four hundred points per group stage. Group stage. So fifty eight hundred of their points total from a group stage that only they only partner teams can play in. And the most egregious part of that, I think, too, is that second Navi got two thousand points for second place of the major. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. winning the group stage of Blast as a partner team was was worth more points in second place of a major. I, I dude, I honestly got I don't even blame Blast. I can't even I can't even criticize it. It's obviously an oversight. It's obviously a feature that I hope gets changed. But well, last year it was sixteen hundred points for group win, and they upped it to twenty four hundred points this year. Yeah. So I don't know what how much you? difference that would have made, but yeah, I don't either. But I mean. Whatever they want to do, it's their circuit, it's their partner teams, and they have a lot of conversations with their partner teams, and the partner teams get to have a lot of say um, in these kind of changes, and it's the same way with ESL. Let's not forget either, like, you know, the ESL circuit as well over the years had so many egregious issues that we've forgot about 90% of them, you know, from, it takes a long time for these little things to get ironed out and tweaked, and sometimes you don't notice that something yeah, is so egregious until it's exploited. But the difference is like when, well, it's not for all of the things, but when ESL would do stuff like VP getting invited to that fucking season of Pro yeah. League, they got lit the fuck up, right? Like, yeah. because people were like, no, that's fucking bullshit. And like the same, this is basically the same thing here. Like this is bullshit. Like, and I, I'm with you. Like there's definitely room for change and I'm sure Blast are looking at it to change, but unless it gets spoken about and like if the, pu if the public don't have a problem, this is the thing. If the public don't have a problem and they're still going to tune in, they're going to watch fucking fine. Who cares, right? That's, that's one side. The other side is the public do have a problem. Well, they need to make sure that they let them know that they do have a problem about it. And the only way that the public even hear about this shit, because Blast isn't going to publicly advertise, yo, we're giving 2,400 for OG to top a group stage. Guess what? That roster, by the way, they have now only has two players from the five that won the one at the start of the year, right? Yeah. So then not, we're not even doing the core three rule anymore. So like if we, we, like, and if, like I'm saying, we can address this and if people don't have an issue, then they don't have a fucking issue. That's fine. But here, this is meant to be, what this world finals is meant to be to me, it's an event with a million dollar prize pool. It's meant to be the best teams throughout the entire year, right? So you have both major winners being outsiders and phase. You have the EPL winners being Vitality and phase. Um, 
you have the Blast Spring final winners being Na'Vi. You have the Blast uh, Fall final winners of being Heroic. And you have Liquid, G2, and OG, OG. there. Now, G2 could be in a similar boat of conversation with points as, a, <laughs> as a OG. They did make the final of Katowice earlier in the year. Liquid, in more recent times, you know, they've had some, some good runs. They're in the final of Pro League, so they're getting points for that type of stuff. But those three teams are the ones who got off with ranking points, I'm pretty sure. So a conversation could be had about how that's all weighted. But again, if people don't care, then then we leave it. Like, Jason, you sound impartial. You sound like you don't really care about it. Like, is it something that you wish they would choose or you just don't give a fuck? No, I, I mean, I wish I wish they would change it. I wish they would fix it. I mean, I, I, think, I think overall they're at a point where I think this entire yearly layout of their, of their season – um, and the way that they organize their their product, I think is, I mean, I, I mentioned it, I think a couple episodes ago, I just don't think it's, I think they're in a hard spot, but I think it's bad the way they have things now, just because it's hard to like even, it's hard to even consider it a spring or a fall split when your events are like two weeks, but like, you know, the group stage is in January, the showdown is in what, it was in like April or something. It was like two or three months, it was like two months later, two and a half months later. And then the final is even like a month and a half after that. So it's kind of like, you know, over the course of five months, you have this fall split, but there's only three events. And I don't know, it just doesn't feel cohesive to me in any way. And I, I don't I don't have a good solution for them because I know, you know, real estate in the calendar is hard to come by. Um, but obviously I'd like to see that changed. Like, I don't, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's necessarily good for the circuit. I don't think it's good for the viewership. I don't think it's good for the prestige of the event to have, to have a, a team be able to do something like that. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to be up probably about end it, up, to be honest with you. It doesn't piss me off enough to really go crazy. OG will probably end up winning the event and they'll be like, all yeah, right. see, we should have been sure. here the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be, th- that would be the concept. I think like the point system is one thing. The other problem is the format of the, groups right like if it were a little bit better then i mean can you really blame them like they beat they had to beat like good teams along the way in best of three series uh probably multiple teams or teams multiple times right to that point it's like well they've earned that um in a sense the problem is like with the initial best of ones and then if you're first after the best of ones you can just win one best of three and you won your group or whatever the way it is like that makes it a bit more weird yeah i know what you're saying to yeah, just yeah. kind of luck out but i don't know for me blast i remember even like when they first came around and i think they were throwing around like we're talking about potentially like the f1 circuit and trying to be a little bit like that i think that's what they should sort of go for well, right like you have an event like the lisbon one where i'm sure every time they come back they could bring a respectable crowd you know i think they're building a sort of a kind of thing there for a mainstay there yeah yeah exactly so i think probably you want to get rid of the fucking groups like why should there be like fuck the group stage like just do a tournament let's say in madrid right with um the, the problem for is they have like teams, 12 right? partner teams right so either you take, yeah. find a way to add four more teams just kind of expand your thing so there, there are 16 team tournaments all the way up to the world finals which then you can make eight and double elimination best of three all the way and that's a royal arena um come on guys e- event what what this is because this is where we have an obligation to provide the extra context of saying that's an expensive ask those are easy suggestions to make if you don't have to sign the bills we all know those considerations go into why these tournaments are formatted the way they are and if you look at it from the TO perspective, going from saying, hey, we want to have this group stage for two weeks in our home studio that we own in Copenhagen, 
for long periods of time that we already have set up and now rent out an arena or a studio in Madrid, fly everyone out to Madrid, you know, get all the, get all the contractors and all the partners to be able to get the shuttle services and all the catering. All of a sudden you've turned this into a studio show that Blast owns and doesn't have to pay for each and every time. And you've added, and you've, now you've turned it into like a multi-million dollar affair. And let's not let's at least bring that context up but because that, well, that's their fault for the, them deciding to set it up that way in a way that doesn't really make much sense do you have a feeling like it's a fucking circuit jason why don't you use that excuse for no, esl I, you fucking blast shill <laughs> <laughs> i do i use that shit for esl all the time i talk about that shit all the time when we talk about that kind of stuff but let's not sit here and just be like hey let's you know this this organizer should all of a sudden just have like turn this into a multi-million dollar affair instead of like the studio show they well, currently I'm not have saying it they can do it i'm just saying what would make more okay. sense from like uh yeah yeah and it's fine and i agree if, if it was a perfect world let's do something like that but i just want i just want the context to be there for the viewer that because I mean, we have we know we know these conversations for being involved with other TOs as well, and even hearing from from ESL There's people no from time TOs. to time is is part of the reason part of the reason why some of the formats are the way they are is because teams want to demand a certain amount of exposure that they're going to have. It's it's why it's so hard in a bunch of these group stages for various events. The format requires that these that there are a certain number of matches so that the teams have enough time on the stream to bring value to their brand. And that is a huge piece of context for why formats are the way they are. But that's why like, I'm sitting here going, well, then do we just got to accept this franchising shit. And then that's just the way it is. But like, th does that come with any negative attention, right? Because when you compare it to an open circuit, right? Like this is the thing that doesn't get spoken about because people just want to fucking vilify it all the time. But the amount of stuff that ESL does for the entire ecosystem of Counter-Strike comparatively to what Blast does, it's not even close, right? Like they're running events like, all over the world, literally all over the world, different ESEA leagues, ESEA cash cups, ESL impact, right? Yeah. I'm just getting started. National championship leagues all over the place. This is all an extension of ESL, right? And how much they do for the broader ecosystem of Counter-Strike. But none of that ever gets spoken about. The cunts just get vilified to death. They just burn to the fucking stake. And we're talking about this and Yanko's bringing up, uh, yeah, it's pretty outlandish suggestion with all the extra cash it's going to take here. But if we're looking at like where money's being spent and where praise is going, ESL get none of for what they do for the greater landscape of Counter-Strike. Blast is getting all this prep for uh, hype for putting on the most closed tournament, right, in in their home court and, and smashing it to the to high standard they continue to deliver. But it's easier for them to deliver that high level. So here's what I'm hearing from the community if I'm ESL. Close down all the community shit. Just run the franchise shit. Focus all of our attention into that so we're not spread so thin. We can put all of our resources, <laughs> which are millions more than what Blast have. And if we just do that, well, I think we all know that the product won't be better. But in, in, in fairy tale land, it should be better, right? So if I'm, I'm ESL, why don't I just do that? What's the point of running everything else and keeping it all open? Because we're, we're talking like Yanko's trying to give a suggestion where Blast actually tries to help out the greater ecosystem as opposed to just the partner team. But if we as the community are happy with just franchise leagues, which is the sentiment I'm getting right now, fuck it, pack it all in. The majors can be the only open circuit thing. Everything else fucking closed. You can all fight for yourself and make your own shit in your land centers at home. Well, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even talking about what they could do for the greater ecosystem or just like for themselves to, to potentially make like the product more appealing and like more, even to the to the viewers and just like more cool in a sense right like and make it just also more s sensible in a way right because yeah. there's a bit a bit of a disconnect right now 
if it's supposed to be on you know, group stages into finals into all of this leading into the world finals it's like these world finals aren't really going to be that much hype it doesn't feel like right like I, I know how it was i've been at the first ones in bahrain with phase right and it's like for us it was actually pretty important because we won two blast events that year we were like the number one ranked team i i think in coming into the you know because of their points right but uh, and, and we were cognizant about you know wanting to to do good there and that could, could have been like a nice end to the season didn't really pan out that way but you know you're still in a place with a couple of hundred people it doesn't have like the level of you know like that's why i say like, it makes more sense for that to be the royal arena so this was also a way of sort of kind of coming up with something where you could make that Royal Arena event the world final and it would make sense and you would have the teams who perform the best throughout the year there. Yeah, even if you did the group stage thing, like you could still do a group stage, still do it in the studio. But let's say like they have the 12 teams Janko's talking about, you could bring in four teams and do two groups with eight teams, right? And in terms of the amount of extra time you're talking about, it's not a lot. In terms of the amount for the extra teams, okay, well, it's four extra teams and they're not partnered, but it immediately changes the way your whole event looks. And you get to, you could customly pick the four teams that you want to come to your fucking group stage and make your group stage even more exciting. Yo, we've got the previous major champions. We've got the next highest rated team in the world. We've got fucking, I don't know, everybody loves Cloud9. Cloud9's here and, you know, whoever the wild card is and you pick these teams, you bring them into your group stage. Now, sure, some of your partner teams have to fight off non-partner teams for their spot that actually makes it more exciting if you take that from a broadcast angle yo we've got the previous major champion coming in to challenge our squad right if it ends up not being one of the partner teams you could even start framing that in your in in your own advantage um and you could run that from the environment you were talking about jason and i know it's more money and i know that blast spend a lot of money because their stuff's quality and we always wonder where this money's coming from so that that's that's another problem in itself but like I think like a couple of little tweaks to what they have right now to make it slightly more open, right? Not very much, but just slightly. And then at that point, you just with the framing, if the majors get moved in 2024, then, you know, blast end the year with the, with the Copenhagen event as their world final or whatever, and it'd be fucking sick. And then that event can be on the same or the pedestal as the, the Katowice's and the Colognes which is what you hear the players talking about it, right? They're talking about, yeah, you, we know that they've won the Katowice of Cologne, but you know, this, you, you hear, this is a spoken about thing from the players. That it's not something that we just say is a good event. Like they have this amount of respect and this event is primed perfectly ready. Like it's, it's, it's just there. Like it's just dangling just below and it can, it, it can be right there. It's one of those legendary mainstay events every year with a couple of tweaks to the overall. And that's, I think that's what we want because we get another one of those. Katowice of Cologne, two majors, and and Copenhagen in a year that we, you know, and can Lisbon. be relatively oh, and Lisbon's yeah, Lisbon has a good turnout as well. You look at those; they have great turnouts for events. I don't know if we need too many more of those, mate. We don't need to keep doing this fucking spectacle bullshit because we want mainstream media, the the NBC or C, CBS or whatever, to pick it up and run a, a, a new. Like well, we're, we're fucking past was, those days. This was a conversation we used to have like pre-COVID, when literally every event was in an arena, and it eventually just got to the point where it was like numb being inside those arenas because yeah. it was everything it was like and and um yeah i know for for i don't know if the community would feel the same way but for us it was kind of like man we kind of miss like going to those smaller like two thousand three thousand person like little theaters that are a lot more intimate you get to play with the crowd a little bit more it's not this massive arena you can still have a really really cool show and obviously the scale is smaller small enough to make it a little bit more smarter in terms of cash that a to is burning as well 
I, um, I would love it if we had a mix of this, mate. Like what you're yeah. bringing up here is perfect. We just named five events in a year, six events, sorry, that are like going to be arena scale events with thousands of people, like well, closer to the tens of thousands of people, right? As opposed to the low thousands. But then like a Dallas, for example, we know we have a harder time in America filling out these spaces. So why don't we just get a smaller space that we know we can fill out with, yeah. you know, the three to 4,000. And, and on top of that, we change the way we try and do the show to offer something different. Right to offer a different viewing experience as opposed to this all like concert style stuff where we're you know going to a music act. We we change up the way that the viewer can, and I know that Blast experimented with, before with that in LA. It's hard to pull off with the format they had. Maybe it could be different if they didn't need to run so many games at the same time. Um, but like yeah, let's say Dallas for example for next year for ESL, if they could find a space like a like a I know this is America, so this would be harder to find, but like an indoor soccer uh, thing or like an indoor handball thing, right? Those are normally a couple of thousand people. You could, you know, do something, uh, change up the viewing experience in a way. Like I'm obviously simplifying a lot of this, but then you do what you were saying uh, as well before Yanko, and it's something we've spoken about on this show a lot with Pro League can be different. It could be a different vibe. We've spoken about it being like a more buttoned up version of like a summit vibe, right? Where it's uh, still casual on the couch, just trying to have as much player personality as possible, but we're not there for the spectacle. We're there for obviously the Counter-Strike, which is always paramount, but then more player personality, more player interaction in those environments where we can connect them to the viewer at home in more of a personal and more maybe of a fun nature. And then we have the big arena events, which are like the pinnacles of our of our months and in, in throughout the year. And then we have these other smaller like stadium events, which is like touch up events to kind of see where teams are at playing in a different environment. Maybe the viewer gets something a little bit different. Like all of those things. Now I'm I'm excited. I want there to be a bunch of different shit to watch in a bu bunch of different ways. And we're not even talking about the format in the game. We're just talking about the way to watch the game or the way that the game is presented to the viewer. And we're fucking onto it. We've cracked the code, boys. Sign the check. We're doing all of it. We've done it. When do I get paid? Uh, right yeah, now. the uh, invoice is in the mail. No, the check is Perfect. in the mail. You need to send the invoice to me. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I think this is the thing again, and, and uh, we touched on it last week, just like the evolution of this. We're, we're, we're constantly changing. We're constantly evolving. And I think having these kind of conversations, I, I don't know, this helps me flesh out how I think about this. And that's why I brought up a bit before wanting to hear from the viewers of what they, they want because I know it's not going to be up to them entirely at the end of the day it's what the events are going to be able to put out there what the team's going to be able to do what valve kind of have impact on but they're the ones consuming this and I, yeah I we think, have to kind of tailor some of our ideas around around the way that they consume the content and the and the kind of content that they want to consume yeah and i know that a lot of them are like a reasonable i'd say a lot of the, the ones that listen to our podcast are, are, are reasonable human beings funny that you're all uh, reasonable and excellent human beings out there but they're the ones who probably watch and go, okay, yeah, look, I understand that they have to have this sponsor integration or this ad has to play here. And they're not the ones who are going, oh, a Twitch ad, I don't get to watch the free content that they built in that time, right? Like, because I know that some people, oh, I can't watch the content. It's like, well, it's meant to be an ad break. They've just put content here because most of you use ad block, right? So <laughs> they've put something there because you guys were complaining that there was nothing in the downtime that is in traditional media meant to be an ad break, which we had in buckets and spades on TV is when we were kids, right? Maybe we have a different viewpoint of that because when we were kids nothing it wasn't like things were on demand you had to put in a fucking vhs tape or a dvd right to watch something through without adverts if you watched anything on on free-to-air tv even on cable tv they had fucking ads in australia is that, is that did you boys just have shitloads of ads on tv before everything went on demand on the internet yeah yeah so we have like and if we're dealing with younger generation now they're just used to having like the constant scroller tiktok right with yeah no, I was just going to say there was this like skill that you needed to have after a while where you could like kind of based on the channel, you knew how long the ad break was. So if you were really living life on the edge, you would switch the channel while the ads were on 
to you know look at something meaningful but still come back before they were over so you don't miss anything and then wonder if you missed an important part of the movie i'd always forget to turn back i'd get too captivated <laughs> in whatever i flick to you know <laughs> sometimes you get too focused on something else and you, you never come back uh, shit happens VHS when you party naked I've really um, gone boomer, haven't I? Talking about VHS tapes and shit. Yeah, you have there. You, you, watching, turned, you took it into an old place. Watching Aladdin and stuff. Rewinding the favorite songs. Yeah, I don't uh, know. I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear like, from, 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 from listeners and viewers like, what, what kind of stuff they want. But uh, it's, it's kind of hard, right? Because you can easily kind of get sidetracked into, you know, we asked this question and, and we're going to get the hardcore Counter-Strike opinion. Yeah, you know, true, we're going to get the true. hardcore Counter-Strike fans. And there's a lot more that watch uh that watch counter-strike and i guess this kind of takes it back to some of the questions you had earlier on are, are fans actually okay with just the the franchise only leaks because it is it is a situation where like the franchise teams are franchise teams because they have they have the biggest draw those are the teams that are always going to bring in the most viewership and part of it is they mo have the most established players they have players that have been around long enough to where the mo most of the community understands their story and is kind of invested in their careers to a certain extent so um I think I think a couple things can kind of break that up. I think we can we as a Counter Strike community and and within the, with working with the TOs, we can make a lot better content in terms of this is something I've I've always been harping on for the last couple of years and, and on this podcast for sure is doing a better job of building the stories of the the teams and the players that aren't your partner teams and that are kind of rising up through the ranks. Like now's a perfect time to have like a huge deep dive from TOs to really recap and hit hard the stories of the heroic players like why aren't like why aren't we going back and like talking to doing the stories of this rise of heroic let's go back and look at all the fucking issues that they've had to encounter over the past four years to get to this point it'd be a perfect time to build up a fan base for this for this heroic team and then you hope that that, that building up that fan base then converts them into viewers for your main broadcast but um tos at the moment aren't like the, their their emphasis isn't on that kind of content. Well, they can't pivot the that quickly, broadcast. right? Like, and and also. Well, I they could, but yeah. Well, they don't. They, the companies we're talking about, Blast and ESL, both don't have the resources to do that. Like ESL well, have the resources; they're just elsewhere. Yeah, they Blast. just don't. They just don't. They don't put the focus and energy on that. Yeah, and Blast like only have right a crew that can maybe do an event at a time, maybe one point five events, right? Like they yep. kind of. So it's, but like, is what you're saying something that should be done more by like the, our our news websites because. Our, our TOs don't really push narratives year long. You have the meme lord to work on their Twitter accounts and shit and put up video, uh, put up stuff, you know, tweets every now and again, but like they don't push like greater Counter-Strike narratives here. And I don't I mean, know if they I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think, I don't think it fits into any of their business plans or any of their like it's financial their avenues, plans and how right? to make money. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, in my mind, that's an easy thing for TOs to get into. Um, I'd love to see HLTV do it more, but again, like the TOs have all the cameras and the content around at all times to be able to actually make it something unique and special and, and use good footage. And I don't know, I'm assuming HLTV could probably get easy enough access to it, but I also don't know if that's in, in HLTV's long-term plan sure, to yeah, be that yeah. kind of a, that kind of a website, you know? Yeah, I well, would love it if they were stuff like what we're doing here the bridge of the gap the problem is like we couldn't go and do a counter we could do this counter-strike talk show that we're doing right now in like a live set environment but that would mean that the three of us would all have to live somewhere or you'd have to have staff available who would live somewhere to be able to go in and do these things right to do those like football type shows where they, everybody gets together even when the football's not on for that week right you're putting out an episode of that every week you put it we we don't have we're not together to do that. We're doing our version of that, which is a podcast. And right, like obviously webcam pop 
podcasts, they're very popular out there and whatnot. But like, there's nothing that beats actually having people in a room being able to see each other. And I can see when Yanko, you know, he's pissed off, or I can see when Jason, you know, has something to interject with and whatnot. Like, you can see those things. But we would need to change our environment of how we live and everything like that. And that's a, that's another whole consideration of of how a lot of that would be told. Because having people like edit videos and throw it together, you can check the numbers. Like a lot of these story pieces they do, they just don't get a lot of uh, where they live. Yeah. They they live and die there on YouTube. They don't get like a whole lot of traction. Like both of these like, big companies put out so much content. Like and we're a big part of like either helping curate it or help build it or help script it. And a lot of the stuff like I don't know how many viewers you need to make any of this shit worthwhile. I I, I don't know. Like we did that skit. Yanko, where Harry gets the sunscreen on his face. It got 20K views on YouTube. It was funny on broadcast for when it got played. But then after that, it got 20K views on YouTube. What's well, 19K. It was three weeks ago. And that's it. Like a lot of time went into that. We spent a whole day filming that. There are people who had to edit it. We had three people there. We had one guy doing sound, one guy on the camera. Frank there directing it. We had Kinga there doing makeup, right? Like a lot of time went into that to create something that got 20K views. It's like, okay. Yeah, but it also takes time for people to get used to that right and i guess also probably for the algorithm to do its little thingy right like i feel if we just keep at those right and keep creating those kits and you know people are used to those being out more regularly and then they're also like hmm, like this is like pretty funny or pretty interesting or whatever where can i see more of this and then they head to the youtube channel and you know they find all this content that they can consume and Engage, engage with i think that's where you're going to see a growth in those numbers as well how do we crack counter-strike on tiktok that's the million dollar question fucking, for our industry know, right like, now shocks in here <laughs> ask, ask banks and pimp they got thriving tiktok accounts okay well there you go because like that that's truly it right like tiktok is is right now taking a lot of people to be fair it's such low... but again short form content like that is, is such a fucking kick in my dick i fucking yeah. hate that shit it's low year like it's like what yeah yeah it's like i have, I have face, no interest gone. in i have no interest in creating content that's like that short thoughtless blah Wow, you've just upset a lot of TikTok creators. I'm sure. Su- I'm sure he doesn't mean to offend all of you. Mate, who do I've never met really a single nice person developing a thriving TikTok account that actually enjoyed it, and that includes Pimp and Banks. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, they've just been outed here live, live and direct talking. No, I think they. I think they. I mean, they tell you themselves. It's it's a pain in the ass. Like well, we're not going to ask for permission. You, yeah. that, that's out there, Jason. That's staying. That's not getting deleted. We don't edit anything here. Nothing at that's all. Fun. Nothing, Nothing ever. At all. Um, uh, yeah, what else we got? What else we got in the Counter-Strike world? Uh, uh, device yeah. is about to play. I saw that. I was flicking through the news. That's good. I'm glad that he's about to play. That's that's about it. I don't know what people's expectations are. I they bet, probably shouldn't I be too high. I bet CCT is very happy. Yeah, that's good Good for them to get... Uh, you know, as I'm scrolling through this, the one that sticks out to me, video, pros comment on Anubis replacing Dust2. If there's anything... Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls at home, not to waste your time on. It's that video that HLTV put out. I wouldn't even wouldn't even recommend going anywhere near that link because you're going to hear pros say, the map sucks. Why didn't they put in old map X? I, uh, but remember, I haven't even played Anubis. And that's that's what you're going to hear. That's going to that's gonna be the responses you're going to get. Um, and you're going to get nothing meaningful from that video uh, at all, unfortunately. Um, what else is are you excited about Anubis I'm, I'm sorry not Anubis Astralis with Device I'm not excited because it's like it's still there still has to be changes in that team right this isn't the team the team isn't I, Device I'm, Mr. Blamef Zipex and Glaive is, it? is that the team no there's got to be one more I feel you, at least one more you do love how 
we were talking about this specifically like three, four episodes episodes ago when I was saying like, you know, you just blow up the team now, get Terran's iPhone or, you know, at least Terran and maybe whatever. And then we were talking about Zipex and just saying, you know, this motherfucker is just going to have like a good tournament out of nowhere or a couple good games. And then people in Astros are going to be like, maybe he still has it. Maybe he can still do it and then just make one change because making two changes will probably require more funds that they can afford at this time, right? So then it's just going to be, well, just bring one guy and, you know, keep Zipix around for this one last sort of hurrah. And the last dance, as it were. he did play way better, right, at the, what was it? The thing that they played. Uh, Alyssa. Alyssa, yes. Espo. Yeah, yeah right. Espo. Espo, that's the one, not Espo. Uh, yeah, they, they said something like he got a lot more of his roles and stuff back yeah, yeah, and they so were using Blame more aggressively, right? So that makes sense in itself. Yeah. But, yeah. But still, it's just funny because, we, you know, we were, we were talking about something like that. But yeah, unless, you know, unless they just change the Academy player for someone legit, then I am just... Why? Why again? Are teams making like you know teams invest a lot of money and make like let's say even a good change, and then there's just this one last piece that they don't change to really make it, you know, all make sense. It's like either go for it all or don't do anything. Yeah, I I don't know. This is the same thing with like Navi, who are gonna use MPL, right? Like the kid might be great. He might be able to step in and be be sick. But it's another one of these situations where we go, okay, it's Navi. You expect them maybe to go for somebody a bit more established, but then you go down the rabbit hole of that conversation. Traditionally, it's been hard for them to buy players. That's probably why they find themselves here now. Like, well, I mean, with Navi, I don't have a big of an issue because they have a proven track record of bringing in young players that turned out to be fucking amazing. That we've almost haven't even heard about That's or would point. have put five names at the very least before that player that you would think is way better on paper i know you were you know mentioning hobbit potentially coming to you know navi would be like a great fit and, and would be really cool for them and you look at it on paper and yeah absolutely and then they come up with like fucking Ilya from a village in russia and you know he's like the sickest things we've sickest aimer we've seen or something like that yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with what you're saying. Yeah, I, I guess that's that's a good point because they, they have experience of being able to do this and it's and it's worked. Um, so I guess, you know, they've already shown the, the proof there. So that's going to be curious to see if they'll be able to do it again. I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm still, I guess my standpoint is, oh, is this the actual Astralis team? And then I guess if it ends up being the actual Astralis team, then maybe, you know, I need to give a bit more a bit more focus to, to them playing in this CCT North Europe 2. Um, but it shows like kind of where they are as a like team, CCTV, right? CCTV, like it's so weird. Well, they are being watched by all of I'm us. A, I'm excited for it, but I don't, I don't think in any way is, I'm not like, I don't have like any crazy expectations. I think I have more realistic expectations of how it's going to go and it's going to start slow and it's going to take six months, I feel, for him to get back into the swings. I saw Device this, uh, this weekend, actually. Oh, yeah? Did you say hello? Yeah. He was hanging around the uh, roller room. Yeah, I said hi real quick. That's cool. I saw, yeah, he put something up on his Instagram story. They were there doing a signing session as well, right? Swiping the people, yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. It was definitely, uh, they they had that that show match as well um, that went on there. A lot of people seem to enjoy that. That's one of the things that I think Blast are doing well is the way that they're with this Blast TV platform. They're trying to get people over. Oh, that platform is actually sick. Yeah, it's it's wise, right? Because they're they're giving people a lot to do there. So not only do you just come there to watch the stream, they, you know, they've, 
they do try and have a bunch of fun games and things for you to be interacted in. Now, look, boys, I'm going to shine my own my own wheels here for a second. Here we but, go. But that show match, I think, in contrast, you know, was a good show match uh, compared to what we had <laughs> of of the Brazilians tryharding uh, in in Rio. But the greatest show matches of all time are the cashes. It's nowhere close to the cashes, was it? And it's it? like, I, I don't know it. how people forgot about the cashes, guys. Like I see Blast putting out a title on the YouTube video, the greatest show match of all time, question mark. Come on now. Like if you're not going to give a little bit of, uh, a little bit of something, something to the people who you know, put on the greatest match, show match of all time. Now, look, it's got nothing to do with ESL. That, 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 don't worry, I'm not, it's got nothing to do with ESL. It's got to do with the creative genius of our collective group of individuals given some freedom to have some fun and put on the caches multiple years in Australia and the Australian crowd mainly. Actually, probably mainly the Australian crowd. So, look, I will take issue uh, with that claim. And I don't know if I have any objections here, but I would gladly have a debate right now. I think if we, if we, if we had... <clears throat> I think what people don't understand about the caches is how much that was just kind of like thrown together last minute by, by you guys as talent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If if we had like the resources I know, you of tell one me, of the man. current TOs invested into it, like I think I think the caches could come back in a in a big way, in a big way. Oh yeah, I don't, I, I love the caches. I thought it was awesome. I was around for most of that. Like, you know, your you and Henry just coming up with outrageous stuff. Even in Copenhagen, the studio, like the whole kind of intro to it. And yeah, Lipton's is probably one of my favorite. Uh, moment bit. Did we lose? Did we, lo- we, lo- we lost like, Chad. Okay. Oh, we, lost we lost Chad, Chad. Yanko. So, so we're just going to keep going with this. Defcon, whatever, Jason. It's like the lower the number is, the more serious it is. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the Maltese internet over there has had a has had a rough so, go with things. Like but yeah, I think Defcon I think. I, yeah, I was just I like, how long do I have to keep saying nice things about this show man before <laughs> he chimes in and steps well, in? Like, now's the time over. to dumpster it while he's not fucking here. His, he just texted his power. His his power went out. Uh, uh, he, oh, he says he might have lost the whole recording. Uh, lightning and thunder. So um, maybe we should we'll have just, kept recording on Teamspeak as a contingency, just in case. Yeah, I know. You just in case. Oh well. Well, uh, yeah. So I, it's just going to be the two of us to close this one out. So maybe we just uh, switch into some uh, some some final some final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to talk about from Blast? Maybe that we didn't touch on. Really? I don't know. No, not really. I actually I was bored in my hotel room one night and I was like skimming through pictures and photos uh, from the wedding and I have this incredible video of you hanging out with a bunch of a uh, bunch of Green Bay Packers fans <laughs> at the uh, at the late night bar. I thought your friend was gonna <laughs> kick the shit out of me. Like he didn't seem too happy about which that. one. Paul about you talking to the Packers. Paul. Yeah, no, I thought Paul was really mad towards you. And me and Paul got along so well up until that. Yeah, point. he's. And I ran into cool some dude, but cheese head somehow in fucking Michigan on our... Wearing fucking overalls and bright orange hats. Yeah. <laughs> and you're there in a suit. And I said I was going to Just... buy them around, so they sent us around because that's apparently a thing that they have to like kind of... Yeah, they sent us a bucket of uh, PBRs, yeah. America's only blue ribbon bi- uh, beer back in 1897. Absolutely, blue ribbon, man. God. It's a beautiful beer. Uh, okay. Maybe. But, I mean, but yeah, it's a hipster beer. Uh, we'll we'll add that to the collection. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't really know. I don't really have a whole lot on on Counter Strike. My brain's a little fried from yeah, the, from I the know, travel. Yeah, I know. It's been like that for me for a week, man. Like I don't. 
It's really I'm excited to get to the end of this year. I think everyone is excited to get I'm talking to all the players and uh, everyone's like excited for this last event coming up and then to just get home and, and take a fucking break. Yeah, this is weird how it is, you know, mm-hmm. like because even though let's say you maybe are not at a tournament you didn't qualify or skip the tournament or something, so you have a little bit extra time between travels, between tournaments, between competitions, like it's still you're on, right? Like for me that was the big difference um between talent and coaches like when you're talent when you're home you're off like you're free you're like you're, yeah. your whole time is yours obviously we have a little bit of work here and there right but you can you know do that whenever you want you can plan your own time meanwhile when you're coaching is like yeah you're not at the tournament but there's still practice even though even if the players might have time off like you still need to you know review shit um come up with new things look at like what are the, the things in your game that you have to work on? What are things you need to change? What are some of this new stuff, like the new tactics, you, the new strategies you need to come up with? So it's just like constant. It's just nonstop. And obviously, you know, there's a little bit of that feeling. Even when you do say, even for yourself, it's like, okay, guys, we have like, you know, two, three days off now after the tournament before we get into it again. There's like more time between tournaments. Yeah. You still feel like you still catch yourself, like, you know, you're hanging out or whatever, wherever, and you're still like, thinking about cs because you lost this fucking game you know d- yep. d- due to this little thing and then you have thought of a way to fix that and kind of you know came up with a new protocol a new routine to you know whatever it's actually just constant never ending yeah no i'm with you and i think um we don't have it to the same extent and i i felt the same way when i was when i was coaching as well you don't actually get like time off because your brain is always trying to fix some problem or try and figure out where the focus is going to be when you return i know i was talking to like trace a little bit uh when i was in copenhagen and i was just like man i'm so jealous your year's over i can't wait to go home and just like sit on a couch and have a couple days <laughs> where i just don't have to think about fucking anything and he's like yeah it's nice but i also know and, and he said the same thing it's like he's bored and it's the same thing that I that like when we were on like the hardcore grind, like pre COVID was like when your body is so used to just like being at an event or like being gone for like four weeks and then coming home for a week and then getting back on the road immediately like that. It takes so long for your body and your brain to like truly shut the fuck off, you know, <laughs> like to just like your brain is constantly keeping you somewhat motivated to get back on the road and go do the next thing. And, and it takes a while to, for that to switch off. Yeah, and it's when when you do kind of mess up how you handle jet lag, for example, like that can that period of adjustment can extend. Yeah, and that's pretty annoying. But uh, yeah, that's why I liked it. I always say, you know, people say like for relationship and and stuff, it's also hard, right? Like you're away all the time. Like, listen, I think this dynamic is actually perfect for a relationship. It's like you go work for whatever two weeks, three weeks, ten days, whatever it is, at different times, right? You just start getting homesick a little bit, missing all the people and so on. You get back. It's great. Like, you know, everyone's missed you. You missed everyone. You have a good time. You catch up. You're home for like 10 days, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. And then, you know, you start getting a little bit bored. Like you've seen all the people, yeah. you went to all your spots and now it's time to go again, like go work again, go to a tournament. So it keeps things fresh in a way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. 
let's uh let's end it on that note because we're gonna wait for chad to uh, give us the all clear if his file uh is is ruined or not so we might have to do this all over again world finals is in two weeks so we still have time before that and yeah let's we'll see beautiful let's hope chad hope and pray let's hope it's safe ggs all right